Hey everyone, this is Larry from WSTrades.com. This podcast is about trading stocks and stock options. Any information in these podcasts should not be construed as advice. It's for educational and entertainment purposes only. We are not financial advisors. Hey everyone, this is Larry and James from WSTrades.com doing our weekly update podcast. How's it going, James? Pretty good, man. How are you doing? Good. All right. You want to uh, go over your trade you had for last week? Yeah. So it was the August monthly expiration. So I had a ton of trades closing out. Um, it's kind of a crappy month for me on my neutral positions. I had a bunch of stuff burn me mostly on the put side, but I did have a few things go against me on the call side. Um, I'm looking at my email here from TD about my options that I was assigned um this past weekend and on the call side qqq got me big surprise with nasdaq continuing to rip um also spy was in there and then xlv the rest of the stuff mainly was on the put side um i got assigned on arc g also eem i think that's emerging markets and then fxi is the china large cap and then yeah, you're probably aware of Jets getting beat down pretty bad lately. So that one got me on the put side. And then um, XBI, I want to say that's like a biotech ETF or something. Uh, that one died hard and I got assigned on the put. So um, so for my neutral stuff for August, I think it was a 6.9% loss. So I pretty much gave back almost all of my July gains, um, but I still have my january through june was all winners um so those were all positive months for me i think three to eight percent per month so still having a good year on the uh neutral stuff uh but yeah august was a little bit of a setback um so what i kind of did with a bunch of stuff burning me on the put side i kind of saw it as an opportunity um, to go out and sell puts because it's like, man, if these things like ARCG, EEM, FXI, Jets, and these different things are getting have been getting beat down for so long, uh, you know, if I go out and sell out of the money puts on them, the chances that they're going to keep dying uh, are pretty low. So I think, let me check out my orders in TD. I want to say I got into some extra trades for September kind of based on what happened to me in uh august let me see here yeah so arc g actually yeah that's when i sold today but yeah i went on the put side so i sold the 65 put um that one actually was my first trade for october but i think last week i wanted to get on a few extra trades for september so fxi was one of them because i'm like man this thing is not going to continue to sell off this is crazy and then Jets was another one. I sold, um, what is that, 20 put? So an extra trade for September there. And then uh, another one was EWZ. We were talking about that one, and that thing has been getting beat down for a while. I think we were talking about the weekly chart on there, and then they were oversold on the daily. So with those things kind of getting beat down so much lately, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to go sell puts on these because typically these ETFs and stuff just don't, continue to sell off forever uh they're cyclical and they rebound and uh i think fxi has already rebounded a little bit um so i felt like those were pretty good trades to get into um 
So for this week, I had the one ArcG, and then yeah, I got that extra FXI in there. Let me see if there was anything else. Jets, the EWZ. Let me see. I'm looking at last seven. I want to see if there's anything else last week that I may have missed. XOP. Oh, looks like I got something for September for XOP as well. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what happened with a bunch of closing trades last week and then some extra trades for the uh, September monthlies. Nice. Uh, yeah, last week I just had one closing trade and that pissed me off. I was I was talking with you about it and that was IBM where for almost the, it may have been all of last week, that thing was in the money, it was deep in the money at points, and then finally it started selling off uh, last week towards the end of the week and I was like, dude I don't, they sold off so hard I don't think they're going to keep dumping so I ended up closing it out for, it was a really small loss, it was only 10 bucks but had I kept it on, they did keep dumping and I would have went max profit on it but just with them being so far in the money, then having a really hard sell off in one day and the volatility kind of spiking and uh, I just paper hands it and closed it out for a small loss. But, you know, it it happens. Um, yeah, and you were just talking about Jets. Jets I did really well on. I opened the trade on, I believe it was last Thursday. And then it was a put spread. I bought the... Uh, at the money put spread on jets and then i believe it was two or three days later i think i closed out on uh following monday and i was uh i think i tripled my money on it uh let me see what else oh i also yeah you were uh you sent me that text showed me that trend line on ewz and how it was oversold and i went long the 70 delta call on EWZ for, I believe that's the September expiration. And then today, I, yeah, all the Wall Street bet dudes are going to be pissed. I uh, shorted AMC when, you know, I sent you the picture of that trend line I had drawn and they had been trading off of it perfectly. And I just had an idea, okay, I'm going to short it right when it hits the top of this, uh, this trend line, if it hits it. And they sure did. Uh, AMC today was up over 10% at one point. So I figured, all right, I'm going to short it now. And if they keep on climbing, I'm just going to close it out because it didn't react how, you know, I wanted it to. And, uh, yeah, it, they ended up dying off at the end of the day. So just I was in the trade, I don't know, three hours before the market closed. I'm already up 25% on it. And that's all I had. Nice, man. Yeah, I know you were telling me about that, and I know you've made a few videos on AMC in the recent past, and um, I was watching them and checking out those trend lines, and yeah, it looks like you were, you know, playing right off of that trend line that you saw them respecting, and uh, yeah, man, it's pretty awesome to be up that much that quickly, um, and yeah, anytime you're uh, going out there and shorting or bearish on one of these uh meme stocks yeah you're definitely going to get bashed uh on the youtube channel because a lot of people are out there thinking that's gonna you know make them the next millionaire if uh 
AMC or Clover Health or something uh, has a massive squeeze and goes to the moon. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a good uh, trade to kind of lead into the topic for this week that we were talking about. And that's just having a plan when you enter a trade. Um, like in your case, you were like, all right, I see it's respecting this trend line. I'm going to play right off of that trend line. As soon as it touches it, I'm going to short it. And then, you know, if it continues to rip, you know, and it doesn't respect it anymore, I'm going to exit the trade. Um, that's definitely one strategy you can use. Um, I know before with me, I've also um, had those types of trades on where I was like, all right, I'm going to play off of this price level. And if it just goes the opposite direction, like I'm just going to get out, you know, I'm not going to hang out. And uh, one recent example for that, for me, I think was SOS when I had gotten into them, they were getting beat down, getting beat down. And then they had a nice little rally and got above the 21 day EMA on the daily. And I was like, okay, I think this is a, you know, they're going to make a move in the right direction. And I went long and uh, they did pop off a little bit, but then they started to sell off again back towards the 21. And I just like, wasn't comfortable with it. And I had closed out. Um, so that's like one scenario where like, I really wanted to see a certain price action. And when I didn't see it, I exited the trade. Um, I also know that like on NIO, I had a totally different strategy because um, we were both keeping an eye on them and they were in this downtrend channel looking like they were going to go down to 36 and then they kind of broke out of it and were showing a little bit of promise. And I went long on it, even though I was kind of hesitant. I was like, oh, this is not the greatest setup, but you know, they did break out of that uh, or stop respecting that one downtrend line. So I was like, well, this is a positive sign. But uh, after earnings hit, they just continued to sell off. And I was uh, just listening to some of the stuff that came out of the earnings call and how they're trying to expand in different markets. And they're delivering like a few additional vehicles for 2022, I think it was. And I felt like, you know, their outlook for the future is still pretty good. So that was one where like I'm willing to hold the bag on it, like I'm not over leveraged. Um I have a feeling they're going to go back up and rip back to that 45 level or higher at some point in the future. Um, so that was like another strategy I've um, implemented before or, you know, a plan that I implemented for a particular stock. So um, I don't know if there's any other examples you'd like to give, but I know I've used those two quite a bit. Uh, you know, if something doesn't go my way, sometimes depending on the stock, if I think it's a good company, it's got a bright future. Sometimes I'll hold the bag, but then on other stocks, I might just, you know, get out of the trade immediately when it doesn't go my way. Yeah, that's primarily my issue when I have a losing trade or a bigger than, you know, I thought I might lose on a trade is when I just completely ignore my plan like i always have a plan going in i'm looking at the chart like i'm a technical trader i'm looking at these trend lines i'm looking at price levels you know what support what's resistance so i'll know right before i get into a trade what i'm looking at of this you know it, if it i'm a directional trader i'm trading off of lines and price levels so if it doesn't do it make the expected move that i want 
then I've done it several times. I'm so bad at it. I'm getting better. (laughs) But I'll see, like, with my IBM trade, I should have gotten out of that way before. And just, you know, I ended up, they died off. So it was cool. I didn't lose that much. It was a very small loss. I want to say it was like uh, 10 bucks per contract. But they had been so deep in the money for almost an entire week. So it's just, you know, it was the same result, basically. Had they uh, made that move higher that I wasn't them, wasn't expecting them to make, and if I would have just got out of that immediately, then, you know, I would have had probably the same uh, loss or, pro- or possibly a small profit. I don't remember when they started making the, uh, the upside move that I wasn't liking. But I could have used, even if it was a small loss, then I could have used that capital had I closed out of it immediately got it to get into another trade and, you know, try and make the expected move on, you know, whatever other uh, ticker it was. So, yeah, I I always have the, a plan going in, but sometimes when I see, like, big moves, I'm like, no, it's not sustainable. I'm going to hold on to this one, and it ended up just biting me in the butt most of the time. Uh, so, yeah, that's... You have to have a plan going in before you set your trades, but you have to stick to it is like the biggest thing because you could have the greatest plan in the world. But if you don't stick to your own rules, then, you know, what's it for? Yeah, totally. That kind of reminds me of a trade I recently placed to um, one of my neutral trades and my neutral trades. Like I know you can do like a lot of adjustments on stuff like you can open up a spread if something doesn't quite go your way, you can like turn it into an iron condor. You can keep rolling, you know, the call side or the put side, eventually get it into like an iron butterfly, even box spread at a certain point. But um, for me, my neutral ones, I kind of put them on and I just let them ride. Even if they immediately go deep in the money on me and it just looks like it's going to screw me. Um, I'm not really active. I'm really just like giving the markets a chance to do their thing and just really letting the probabilities do their thing. And um, I want to say a recent trade where it was a good example that, you know, I'm sticking to my strategy and I'm just going to, you know, do what I planned with the trade is uh, SMH. I think it's like a semiconductor ETF or something. And it trades, I think, around $260 uh, per share. So it's a pretty high priced ETF compared to a lot of stuff that I trade. And I didn't, I didn't look at the chart, but maybe they've been on some crazy rally or something. And like, I want to say they were trading like around 260 or something. And I went to the 30 Delta on the call side and it was only at like 265. And I was just kind of like, man, that's kind of crazy. Like an ETF that's almost $300 per share. Why is the 30 Delta so close to the money? I thought it was kind of strange, but I'm like, well, whatever. That's the 30 Delta. Like that's my sweet spot. So I sold the spread with, you know, the 30 Delta as my short leg on the call and uh, immediately they pumped to like 270 or something and it went in the money right away. And I'm just like, (laughs) like I knew that thing was really close to the money, but, you know, it was a 30 Delta and it's like, oh, this thing's probably going to screw me. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm just going to, you know, let it go and maybe they'll sell off and, you know, it'll come back into my favor. And I think a few days later they did. Now this thing doesn't expire until, you know, the September monthlies, which is like September 17th. So a lot of stuff could happen. I mean, they could go to 300 by then. There's a lot of time left, but um, that's a good example of, you know, for me, one of my neutral trades that I don't really touch and I don't adjust. 
um, sometimes those will burn me sometimes. And then like on expiration day, they fall out of the money and like the market's just, you know, the probabilities just kind of do their thing. And a lot of those trades end up working out for me. Whereas if I would have freaked out and saw it go in the money early and I adjusted it somehow, uh, you know, I may end up really putting myself into like a loss, even though it's like maybe a small loss or something. But, um, you know, if I don't stick to my plan sometimes, you know, I might end up missing out on profit. Yeah, that's the, the, with your strategy, God, I wish I could just like be able to leave my computer alone for how long you do. Like you put your trades on, you're like, "Ah, here we go. I'm going to make some money this month, but I'm just like being a directional trader. I'm looking at stuff and uh, trying to pick directions and then having to check it to make sure everything is going all right. But yeah, with your strategy, it's been, you know, you had this one down month, but you've been crushing it so far. And for me, like, yeah, for you, it's not that big of a deal because you set up your trades uh, for the probability in your favor. But for me, I'm uh, most of the time I've been going really close to or at the money when I'm doing directional trades. So I can I'm trying to get close to almost like a 50 50 uh, profit and loss. So or a return on risk, which is almost impossible unless you do it in the money. But for me, that's been working out because if I am correct on my trade then, you know, it's immediately, you know, 25% up or, you know, I can get out a lot sooner. Uh, I'm And I'm doing a lot more short-term stuff now. I'm doing uh, 7 to 10 days to expiration. And it seems to be working a little bit better than when I was doing my uh, four, around 14-day expiration. But, yeah, it's uh, having a plan and sticking to it. And there's always little tweaks you can do as well. Like with me, I'm always trying new stuff. I'm not doing anything like I'm not putting all my capital on one thing with a new theory I have. But uh, I know one thing that we've done before we've talked about it where we had a good strategy. It was going and then we'd have like this losing month or uh, just a super crappy trade. And we'd be like, crap, what else can I do? I got to do something else different. It's like, no, you're not going to win them all. You got to remember it's just a, a numbers game. Like your strategy is perfect for that example. Like you're not going to win them all, but you're going to win more times than you lose. And that's where your profits come from. Like there's no trader in the world that has won 100% of their trades guessed correctly 100% of the time. So, you know, if something doesn't work out on, you know, one trade or a few trades, don't completely kick it out, but you can like look into it and see, okay, well, this was my plan you know, what if I had done this or, you know, whatever, and just look into it, but don't immediately just leave your, your plan that you had before that you were profitable on just because you have a few bad trades. Yeah, we definitely talked about that before. Um, I've been better at that for sure. Um, as of late, I think since I started doing this thing, uh, late last year or January of this year, where I've kind of been doing the high probability stuff i've been really good at sticking to it and even though august sucked for me and it was definitely a setback i'm still looking at like january through june and i'm like man i've still got all those gains like i've only had one bad month um 
And the reason, honestly, that I do that a lot is the high probability trading and stuff and like selling out of the money options is because I'm not uh, very good and I suck at the directional trading most of the time. So that's why like that strategy works good for me uh, because I just I really don't have a beat on when things are you know, going to fire up or when things are going to go down. I just haven't had that much luck there. So that's why I kind of, you know, am really sticking to that. But I have had some good directional trades this year, I think on Space and Fisker. And I know I've had several uh, good future swing trades. So I think I can do directional a bit. But um, yeah, like this month is a perfect example of like what you're talking about. If I'm like winning January, February, March, April, May, June, uh, July, and then I guess, yeah, the July, I kind of gave back with the August loss, but, you know, this is a good point where, you know, you need to see the bigger picture. And if you've got a good strategy, that's pretty consistent, you know, realize you're still up big, you know, for the year with what you're doing and like the one bad month, like, don't let it discourage you. Like you're saying, if you've got something that's working out and you're winning most of the time, that's great because a lot of times you'll see like even on YouTube, you got all these people on there. Like, you know, we've talked about it, these supposed gurus and stuff. And all they really show is their winning trades. Like, oh, I made 10 grand on this ticker. I made a hundred grand on this ticker. And like, you don't really see a lot of their losing trades. And yeah, like nobody has a crystal ball. So anybody that's out there telling you they know exactly where the markets are going or they're guessing, you know, if they're trading, right every time and they're making profit on every single trade then yeah that's definitely a red flag and they're definitely lying to you yeah i was just um god i was just watching a video have you ever seen the dude on youtube coffeezilla no i don't think so no oh, those videos are freaking great man he goes through and just and there's another dude i don't remember his name but they just go through all these fake gurus and they'll <laughs> like find out like financial crap about them like they're still living at home uh that's a fake website and all this crap and it's like all of them are like making crazy amounts of money off of youtube and they all have these stupid like sponsorship programs and stuff and that's like the main reason when you know i'd make indicators and i was selling them on the website that's one of the main reasons why i stopped charging for them is because i don't want people to think that like we're some fake gurus like we almost i actually i don't think we ever have actually given advice and said go buy this now this is a buy you know stuff like that and they're all like these pump and dump a-holes that are telling people oh man i'm gonna buy six trillion dogecoin right now this thing's about to hit the moon and then they wait for the pump dump it and all these like uh gurus that are telling you oh yeah 100 you're gonna have uh 4200 returns this year they're all full of crap. Don't listen to any of them. Yeah, definitely. That um, Anybody who will try to give you that exact kind of a number like that, like, oh, you're going to get this kind of a gain or, you know, this stock is going to hit this exact level. Um, yeah, I definitely wouldn't trust them. And, like, I think it's, uh, you know, good that we're always just kind of transparent and open. And, like, even when we have our losing trades, 
you know, we're telling them to people, we're letting people know that we're not just out here, like only showing our winning trades, trying to make it look like we're some experts or something that pick the market direction right every single time. Yeah, I would like to do, start doing our, uh, I don't think either of us have done in a while, the uh, trade update videos that we do on like Fridays after close and let people know how our trades went. But I'll be honest with you, I was like a little uncomfortable doing trade updates on like Monday or as I was putting a trade on because I, for the same reason, I didn't want people to think, okay, he did this, so I'm going to, you know, sounds like good idea. Boom. I'm going to put this trade on because, you know, like we were talking about, we're not perfect. We're not a hundred percent. And I feel like an a-hole if, you know, someone lost money off of a trade that I suggested. Yeah, definitely. I know most of my stuff is always like a close out on the monthlies, but I do have those random, you know, futures trades or swing trades on stocks, but I don't do them that often. So yeah, I try to like, do a lot of my updates uh, within, you know, the podcast as far as kind of closing and opening. I try to give a lot of my updates here and we usually do those on the weekend. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, the best we can do is, you know, try to provide like our analysis of stuff and, you know, say what we're seeing in the charts or what we think is going to happen. But, you know, just always make sure we have the disclaimer as well that, you know, we're not advisors and we're not telling people like, go buy this now, you know, and a good example of, um, you know, not really going out there and telling people when to buy and sell stuff recently uh, was space because we were both talking about it. They had that crazy run to 60 and then they started to sell off and they really flattened out. I think it was like two weeks or three weeks in a row. They just like hung around that 30 level. We were talking about it several days and we're like oh man the buyers are really supporting that level that looks like support and it started to pump and it got above the 21 day ema and then richard branson sold 300 million dollars worth of stock and that just broke that <laughs> broke that level right there so yeah it's just like you have those crazy things that just nobody knows about like you know nobody is gonna except richard branson in that case <laughs> he's the only one that had an idea that he was going to wipe out the stock and it was going to dump another $10. But, you know, those are the things that, and like the, you know, the coronavirus crash, like I'm sure everybody and their mother before that happened was like bullish on the market. You know, it was just this slow uptrend pretty much. You know, I think there was a little bit of some sell-offs going on here and there, but for the most part, it was like an uptrend since the 08 crash. and like these random economic events or, you know, the CEO or whatever dumping half his stake in the company. Like those are the things you just, you know, nobody can predict. And yeah, I definitely don't want to be out there telling people, you know, buy space right now. It's at 30. I think it's going to the moon. And then, yeah, the next day it drops like 20%. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Like we don't, like I always say it's, it sounds contradictory, but I always say, tell people, don't listen to people, what they tell you to do on the internet. Like, they're all idiots. If you go into the stock twits, uh, chat rooms, everyone is just, this stock is going to the moon. This stock's going to the moon. I, I see Clover at $50 by the end of the week. And it's like, dude, just stop. 
but we're on the internet talking about stocks, but we're not telling people, you know, this crap's going to the moon and we're being fairly realistic. Like, and to be honest, I've been looking at Clover and they're not the worst company in the world, but I think everything going on with them is making it an absolute freaking joke where, you know, everyone just thinks this thing's going to get squeezed to $8,000. Dude, I saw, I was talking to you about trying to make a video on uh, all the weird stuff I hear hearing in these chat rooms where it's like, dude, that's not right. And I was going to make a video and I was talking to you about it. When I was looking it up, there's people all over the internet right now saying AMC is going to be worth 500000 to a million dollars a share. <laughs> oh, man, are you serious? Yeah, because their theory <laughs> is... Um, What are they called? Phantom shares, basically, where the numbers aren't adding up and there's more shares than they're supposed to be. And they've been shorted. Um, And at that point, if everyone just buys all the shares that there are of AMC, then they'll be able to tell these shorts, no, you're going to pay me this amount. And their amount is, you know, anywhere from 10,000 to a million dollars a share. So it's like I... (laughs) I mean, I guess. Go for it, man. (laughs) Yeah, good luck with that. Didn't you say you recently saw a video or some analysis or something that they only had like three months of capital to keep operating left or something like that? Yeah, and it's hilarious. The dude, he was making very good financial uh, determinations off of AMC. And like the CEO said, we have six months of capital left and this was the videos posted uh three months ago and i guess they the board voted on um selling more shares and all the investors said no you're going to dilute our shares we don't want to <laughs> lose the money and mm-hmm. so the guy was like well all right well we got three months left i don't know what you guys want to do so now they're just and the guy's video was saying <laughs> you know you might not get a squeeze if they go bankrupt and every the ratio on it was ridiculous. It was like five thousand thumbs down to uh, forty thumbs up. And it's like all these people are just yeah. stuck in this bubble and they don't want to hear any sort of opposing view. And you know, I get it. If you're, I I like AMC. I like them as a company. I don't like them at the price they're at right now. I don't think they're even close to valued at that. Yeah. But you know, I like the company, and I don't hope they go bankrupt. But I'm not gonna you know just come up with all sorts of weird ass reasons why they're the greatest company ever like clover greatest company of all time you know they do uh <laughs> medicare and whatever the hell they're saying on stock twits it's like like be realistic with it at least like say i bought a crap ton of shares and i'm bag holding and waiting for a squeeze and it's i don't get it and that reply that i did to that guy on uh youtube i wasn't being after i read it i was like that i might sound like i'm being a dick about it but i wasn't i was like legitimately because I'm on these chat rooms, like seeing what's a popular stock to see, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's worth making a video on. And I've seen several screenshots where there's people that have uh, almost a quarter million dollars worth of Clover stock and they're down like 30 grand. And they're like, Oh, someday this is going to freaking moon. Oh my God, I'm going to be a trillionaire. And so my response to, you know, that comment the other day on Clover was, have you thought about putting your capital into something else and then, you know, just set a price target at, you know, if you think Clover 
it, once it hits 10, the squeeze is on, man. It's just going to go to the moon. Okay, then close out of your other position that's making you money right now and then jump into this stock. I don't get this whole the whole theory behind what these guys are trying to do. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, you're losing money now when you could be making money and then still, like, jump in whenever. GameStop ran for, like, three days. Yeah, I mean, if you got that kind of capital, like 250 grand or whatever, to throw into anything, oh, man, I can only imagine, like, what you could do with some stuff, even, like, on the futures man you could like trade the minis and like you could have made a killing this year you know if you had that much capital you you know you wouldn't be over leveraged like you could be up huge right now for the year if you traded like a legitimate index or you know some legitimate companies um but yeah the amc thing that does not sound like a recipe for success to me if they don't want to sell more shares and dilute you know the shares and but they don't have enough capital to keep going. I mean, that sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy. I mean, last time I checked, uh, COVID-19 is like still a thing, still around. So, I mean, I just don't see if that disappeared, then yeah, things probably be looking much better for AMC. But uh, yeah, that's just, I don't know, man. If you got somebody out there doing that kind of fundamental analysis on it and like that's what they're seeing, like I think that's like a legitimate take on the stock. Um, and yeah, same thing for like Clover. I mean, I was looking at them and like just the charts and stuff too. And it's like, it's not, you know, the worst chart I've ever seen on the weekly. It looked like they were kind of consolidating a little bit, but like for me, I mean, I'm not going to go out there putting my life savings into AMC or Clover and like, hope they get a squeeze. Like, I think I did a video recently too. um, I know it wasn't a video. I think somebody asked me a question on one of the videos about ride Lordstown motors. And it's like, they were way high up there on the short interest. Cause they're about to go bankrupt. And it's like, that's, I'm surprised they're not talking about that. They probably are on Reddit and stock twits and stuff, but that's even a better squeeze candidate, man. Cause they probably have like 40% short interest or something. So yeah, man, I think people should, uh, think about rolling out a clover and amc and going all in on ride which is um <laughs> god what was that car rental company last year that hurts yeah yeah mike yeah and it was they declared bankruptcy and people were still buying it up <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember they were like a dollar or 50 cents a share or something yeah <laughs> that was ridiculous Oh man. Yeah, I don't know. I just companies that could be headed for bankruptcy, they're just not on the top of my list uh, or on my list at all for investing in, I guess. Yeah, and it's like I don't even like when we make videos or, you know, if you go on one of these chat rooms and just say something like, well, I think this is an issue with the company, you just get bashed to hell. <laughs> it's hilarious. Like, and I get it. Like, and I try and listen to what these people are saying it, as long as they're not being complete dicks about it like if they say well this is the reason why i'm uh bullish on them then i'll look into it and if it's like a legitimate thing i'm like okay whatever like clover could be a good company but they aren't right now and i'm really worried about those lawsuits the uh doj we're looking into but it's like you know you can't mention that crap or you're just gonna get beat down on it 
Oh yeah, every time I make a video on any of those meme stocks and I mention the word bearish, they just like, yeah, they just get angry. And that's when I know right away that they're long and they're getting crushed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, again, I don't know why you don't have your capital somewhere else, have a price target. Like maybe, I, maybe they're all trading on like uh, Robinhood or Weeble or something where you can't do uh, special orders. Like I know with TD, I could set up an order right now to buy, a thousand shares of clover if it hits ten dollars and just set it and go on about my day but i think they're just staring at the screens and reading too much bs about you know what how shorting works and everything which i don't that's another thing that irritates me like i'm not a big hedge fund guy i think they're for the most part a-holes but without them liquidity dries up like these people are buying shares where do you think you're buying them from like they're all, everyone buy a share every ten seconds, and they'll drive the price up. Okay, who's selling them, dude? Like hedge funds make liquidity; it's got to come from somewhere, right? But yeah, yeah they're all just these evil companies trying to you know crush all these sad little you know AMC's and Clover's. It's like they know they're doing exactly what you're doing, but the opposite. Like they're betting the company goes down, you're betting the company goes up. Life goes on. They're not evil. You're not evil. Let's just do our thing in the market and stop freaking out. Yeah, exactly. Both sides are just trying to make money, so it is what it is. All right, man. Uh, did you have anything you were looking at getting into next week? Uh, just my normal stuff. Since I started to build out the October positions, um, I got on that ARCG, so I probably want to hit ARKK, uh, DIA, and probably EEM. Uh, to finish out this week for the October monthlies. Damn, internet's running hella slow. Um, I can't pull up my list I just had. Uh, I know one thing I was looking at, probably on the bearish side, and that was uh, Home Depot, but they made, like they had a massive sell-off after earnings. And then they've, I want to say it's like the my freaking... He's running slow. Uh, I think the past like three days they've made a little bit of a run back, but everything that I'm looking at still bearish on them. Um, Fox is another one I'm kind of bullish on. I have been for a while, but they've been kind of chopping around like crazy, so I'm going to keep an eye on it, but it's looking good to me. Uh, and... I'm not touching them. I think sporting goods right now, but they have earnings coming up, I believe. So I'm probably not going to put a trade on them because last earnings I played through, which I typically never do, was XL, and I got freaking crushed on my call. Yeah, they've had some tough times recently. Oh, my God. Damn, TOS is running slow for me. All right, well, I guess that's it because TOS doesn't want to load for me. Um, I did want to say one thing. I just recently, uh, I've heard like all the stock podcasts that I listen to or like articles and stuff. Uh, there's a book that uh, like 99% of the people say is like one of the top three uh, stock trading books that you need to read. And it's called Reminiscences of a Stock Operator by Edwin. And I'm not going to say his name right. I've heard it 
pronounced 50 different ways. So I'm going to say it like this, Lefebvre. And uh, it's actually, um, oh God, I can't think of the name. It's not on copyright anymore. It's public, uh, public domain. That's the word. So I actually posted it on our website for people to download if you wanted to read it in PDF. And I'm trying to, I've got it converted into uh, whatever Kindle format is and uh, Nook, but I can't get it uploaded properly right now. So, uh, but anyone that, it's a really good book. And I know just looking, uh, just looking it up, there's people that have actually read the entire thing. So it's like an audio book format on YouTube you can listen to. And it's not super long. I want to say it's like 290 pages if you want to read it. Um, probably a couple of days worth of listen. I think it's like nine or ten hours if you just listen to it straight through. But it is a really good book. It's uh, written really well. It's actually um, it's not about like the author. He kind of writes in a first-person view of um, Jesse Livermore, which is like one of the greatest traders of all time. And it's really interesting, like especially his early days. And I didn't even know what a bucket shop was before I read the book. And it sounds like an awesome idea. If you don't know what it is, it's basically like a gambling, like a casino for the stock market. Like you were never, you were betting on certain things commodities or stocks but you never owned any of it and the execution time was literally as fast as you could hand your ticket to the person at the window and close your trade out so it's funny in the the beginning of this book uh jesse livermore is just making a killing at these uh bucket shops because he notices price action he's like dude i've seen this before and he's writing it down in his book and he's like, I guarantee it does this. I guarantee this stock does this. Uh, and as soon as he recognized patterns, then he would go and put a trade on. He was like 14 years old doing this. And you would just hand your ticket to this guy to either short or go long, whatever. And then to close it out. And they've got like, you know, the ticker running in the background. And he went to... um New York and tried trading in the real market and ended up becoming a millionaire, losing it all like 10 times over just because he couldn't get the execution times that, you know, you're, if you have, you know, 10 million shares of something, you can't just sell it all. You're going to either lose money on the price diving when you start selling or you just can't dump it all. No one's going to take it all. So he had to like adjust and everything But Yeah, it's a really cool book. Lots of really good lessons. And it's hilarious if you're reading or you uh, do the audiobook. As I was listening to uh, to the audiobook part of it, I when he'd say something about a stock, it would literally bring something up to a current ticker. Like he was talking about people blaming manipulation <laughs> every time they lose. And I was like, oh, Clover. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, uh, anyone that hasn't read the book or... Uh, if you want to download it from the website, it's again, it's public, uh, so it's free. Just go download it for free and read it whenever. Or, uh, like I said, on YouTube, there's several people that do readings of it, but I highly recommend it. It is a great read. Nice, man. Yeah, I have not uh, read that one. I'll have to check it out. 
All right, man. That's all I had for this week. Yep, same here. All right, I'll catch you next time. All right, man. Catch you later. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of the WS Trades podcast. If you are not subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe. Also head over to YouTube and search for WS Trades. You'll find us there as well. We've got trading updates as we make our trades over there and also educational videos. You can learn about different strategies within the stock market and options trading. And also please head over to WSTrades.com. Thanks again.